0: hello everybody and welcome back to the broadway jets podcast you'll know me from twitter as nyj mike and i'm joined as always by the master of receipts it's nyj matt matt you did some receding today
1: i did who was that matt
0: lombardo yeah he killed him it's tough uh, it was him yeah
1: (laughs) People have a very short-term memory. I remember most of my takes. I'm sure you can find one where maybe it changed over time. And your opinions allowed to change over time. But you can't change it after 12 games and four different quarterbacks. So, fuck that guy. Um, Also, he has his tips on Twitter. So, like, if you want to give him a tip, like, via Venmo, you can do that. Like, instead (laughs) of having the DM box there, it's like a tip thing. And I was going to keep going, but I don't want to. If he comes back, I will. Imagine... Through a pandemic, you're you know dealing with money problems, and you take a moment. You say, no, I'm going to tip Matt Lombardo for being a great Twitter follower. Go fuck yourself. Can't have it.
0: Well, basically what he did was he tweeted that Salah is kind of on pace to be a disaster, another disaster for the Jets, yada, 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 and Matt pulled up an old tweet where he had Robert Salah as the number one or two head coaching candidate coming into this year, so inconsistent. You know, yeah, it's, needed to
1: be- it's such a lame take. Again, if uh, he's probably the same guy that tweets out Dan, Dan Campbell's building a culture and he probably had him as his worst hire. So it everyone's not consistent, whatever, but we are coming off of a loss to the Philadelphia Eagles. I was at MetLife. It was over 50% Philly fans there. It was a tough environment. And after a hot start from the offense, three touchdowns and three drives, the same defensive woes plagued this team. Like, what were your thoughts watching that game at home?
0: Yeah, well, first of all, on the Philly fans, the Philly fans have now, like, they have a license to kill, like if you watch James Bond. Mm-hmm. So what they have been empowered through the stereotype that Philly fans are all trash, where they're all just don't give a shit anymore, and everyone acts like trash. So super annoying.
1: I need to I need to call out though my buddy Joe is a great Eagles fan, oh, nicest Lord. kid on earth, huge fan of the podcast. We went to the game, we had a good time. A ton of Eagles fans were great. You gotta every fan base is gonna have their scumbag. However,
0: I'm talking in generalizations. There's I can't, more asshole Philly fans than normal.
1: So there's there is two two women that were next to us. Um my friend referred to them as Jason Peters and Jason Kelsey due to their weight, <laughs> which isn't funny, but it kind of was. They were so obnoxious the entire game. They were like insane. They, they wanted them. I couldn't even explain to you what they were saying. They just kept screaming. They were so obnoxious. And we ended up going to another seat to not because of them, uh, but because my buddy's you know sister was sitting elsewhere and we went with them and there's a guy behind us. And it was the guy that always had something to say in whatever class you were in. And that was never funny. And he always had to be the center of attention. This guy was so annoying. The entire game, every second, was complaining. He chanted six and seven. He was doing all this very obnoxious stuff so loud. Nobody liked him around. Even the Eagles fans couldn't fucking stand him. And then he says, I hope Dak Prescott breaks his knee. We're winning the NFC East. All right, kind of lame. I don't really give a fuck. Then Zach Wilson's dropping back, and he goes, I hope he breaks his fucking leg. And I literally turned around. And this guy's like 6'4, jacked out of his mind and <laughs> instead of causing a problem i'm not winning a fight anytime soon i also don't like to be problematic like if you were there it would you would have immediately went to that guy and been like go fuck yourself it would have been bad it was really bad the way he was saying it so i left i went down to a different section i went because no one's at the game at that point It was the fourth quarter and philly fans are just something else man they've embraced the trash as you mentioned and we it was on full display, and thank God we don't have to worry about a home game for a couple more years
0: against them. If you're a bigger man; I wouldn't have been able to keep my cool. But yeah, back to the game. The Eagles scored on seven straight possessions to start the game, and it just can't happen. You know, like Zach comes out three straight touchdown drives. Of course, the Jets can't kick and whatever, and it's annoying, but. So you're up 18-14, and then the Eagles just never stop. And they dominate the entire third quarter. They had an eight-minute and 22-second drive to start the third quarter. The Jets went three and out, and then they had a five-minute and 28-second drive that took them into the fourth quarter. So there just was – the Jets had the ball for three plays in the third quarter after that great showing from Zach Wilson in the offense, and it was super frustrating. And the defense needs to sack the fuck up already – how many times are we going to watch these bullshit offenses just beat the shit out of us in every single way? It's not like the Jets are pass deficient, run deficient. They just don't do anything well on defense. And it's getting very on my nerves.
1: It's a great point. They're getting beat in a million different ways. You look at other defenses we've had, we've been great against the run, but every third and long they would convert a pass. I mean, BR, pass defense is terrible, but we can establish an identity in the run game so we can really you know, play for the pass. This defense can do nothing well. And we gave them credit against Houston, holding Houston to 14 points, had a, a good game, got to the quarterback, and then laid an egg on Sunday. But before the Houston game, lose to the Dolphins at home, you get up 24, all right, 45 to the Bills, 45 to the Colts, 31 to the Bengals, 54 to the Patriots, and then you were flat situationally in uh, the Atlanta game. A horrible year for this defense, and it is an indictment on our coach, He needs to do a better job of the defense. We are by no means overreacting to it, but it's, it's plain and simple. It has been horrible. And in this game, it's a a gap. It's a huge run for eight yards, which leads to an easy second and short conversion. It's a 30 19 conversion. It's a horrible call by the referees. just nothing can get them off the field. And to go into the referee thing, they made brutal calls all day. Some that could have really impacted the game, not, not saying that the Jets would win, but make it closer. The only thing that I took away from it, and I don't know if you've thought about this, the most frustrating call was the Bryce Hall P.I. call. That just yes. was a phantom call. And the Jets still held them to three. Now, Elliott could make that field goal. I think at that time it would have been like a 44-yarder. They moved up. They ended up getting a field goal anyway. But people might say, no, no harm, no foul, right? That takes two and a half minutes away from the quarterback, though. As we keep going into a game where he's not getting the ball at all in the second half, that penalty causes a two and a half minute delay um, for him getting it back. Just real time, hour and a half, I think he didn't have the football in his hand. Or he had it three times in an hour and a half span. That can't happen. And this defense can't get a stop when they need to on third down. They give up these eight minute drives. And the easiest way to make your rookie offensive weapons like Elijah Moore and AVT and Zach Wilson the best way to make them not become excellent players is to never have them play, and the defense made sure that it happened on Sunday.
0: Well said. And just back to the referees. Again, I don't like conspiracy theories. I don't think that the refs are more out to get the Jets than other teams. This game was an abomination, though, where there were like six close calls that were bullshit, and all of them went against the Jets. You had the fourth and one that they... Uh, overturned and then didn't re measure for no reason. You had the horrible play, the Bryce Hall uh, pass interference that you just referenced. You had the not roughing the passer, calling Zach Wilson. You had the ball start. Oh, that's the other play. Fourth and three, the center moves. Robert Sala was hilarious. He said it like 800 times. He ran on the field and was screaming and they, and they didn't call it. They called it on the jets. And then the Eagles obviously converted from that. And then there was the holding play against Elijah Moore that wasn't called. Now, I always say it, and I will continue to say it, because people think a lot of the times I get super frustrated on Twitter with officiating is not always about the Jets. It's just that most of the time, I would say literally like 40% of the time I've watched, like there's a third and long and a team is throwing the ball. There is a flag forty percent of the time, and it's, it could be anything. And the officials just have too much discretion where they can call a game-changing penalty anytime they want, and it bothers me to no end. So when it was what third and ten, and Bryce Hall got flagged for pass interference where he just didn't like even touch Dallas Goddard, I I can't handle it. I lose my mind.
1: That's brutal, man. Football. They're so football. bad. They're so bad. And I also talked about the two times the Jets got lucky calls. Two times this year where I said that call is terrible. There's a phantom, opi-, phantom OPI call against the Dolphins that we kind oh, of...
0: First, I've never... I have not <laughs> seen a replay of that play where I don't think anything even happened at all. It's horrific. Mm-hmm.
1: That was brutal. And then the, the Bengals game, but they already were icing it anyway. The Bengals would have got the ball back with a little time. I think that one's very overrated. Me but too.
0: again... And the only thing is, again... so. I just don't want to sound hypocritical because I was complaining that Elijah Moore didn't get the holding call on third and long or whatever. It was like second and long. I want there to be less holdings and defensive pass interferences in football by 50 to 60%. But if they're going to call it, God damn it. Can we get one Mm -hmm. to help out our guy?
1: Yeah. And we'll get them. I think that comes with respect. It comes with, you know, we have a rookie coaching staff, a rookie team. Just we need to get respect in this fucking league. And, one way you just hope you get it is from officiating and they don't have it yet. Um, speaking about respect though, CJ Mosley, I'm starting to get sick of him. I, I really am. And he opted out for family reasons, went to a bar in Applebee's. That's fine. I don't, I don't really care. He comes back. He started out this year pretty good, even though PFF hated him, but he talked about in the offseason if you sleep on this defense, you're going to get your ass blown out. Interesting choice of words. He then <laughs> continues like In an eight-week week period, his lead defense is getting blown out in seven of those games and is being embarrassed. And then he complained that Fletcher Cox didn't shake his hand before the game and that they were laughing at him. And there's a picture on Fletcher Cox's Instagram of them hugging at the pregame like coin toss. So yeah, stop being weird. a lying scumbag. That's fine. Whatever. The most important part of the entire game is Zach Wilson looked like a really, really good quarterback for the first half. And even in the second half, I still think he ran the offense well. He just didn't have a chance to get in a rhythm. I didn't see the final drive, which Mims caught the ball. It was hilarious. I saw a clip on Twitter of Mims catching like a hitch route, and I didn't remember the play happening. Then I realized that I was in the parking lot, and then someone tweeted that exact same thing. I forgot who tweeted it. But 23 of 38, 225, two touchdowns, throwing one touchdown rushing, one pick that he said kind of sailed away from him and slipped out of his hand. The first three drives are great, but Zach Wilson of... I think it was one of my favorite games to watch him, even including the Tennessee game. I think this is my, my favorite game from him so far.
0: Yes. The best part about this game from Zach Wilson is that he improved in the area that he needed to improve. Short yardage accuracy. He didn't make as many throws where you're like, what the fuck is that? Mm-hmm. Because I haven't too much in the first couple of weeks of the season. Rookie or not, if there's a, a screen pass or a four-yard hitch, don't throw the ball to the floor. Don't throw it 700 miles per hour. Make a normal throw. And he did. And the best throw he made, I thought was the touchdown to Elijah Moore uh, after the long kick return by Berrios. He was so calm. He threw the ball with a perfect spiral, a normal, easy throw. Elijah made a beautiful move off the line of scrimmage. And it's not an easy throw, but it made it look like an easy throw. And and he threw it with touch and in the perfect spot and a perfect spiral. And it was awesome to see. And he did that throughout the first half. And I even thought he made a couple of good throws in the second half. Um there was there was one throw, like a 20-yard play down the field on the left half to Elijah Moore where Elijah Moore kind of dropped it, but it was a little bit off target, stuff like that. The interception was bad, um, but it was very encouraging, and he looked in command and like a normal quarterback, I thought, for most of the game.
1: Agreed. And the Moore part is cool because Moore goes for six catches, nearly 80 yards in the touchdown, but it really could
0: have been a lot more than that. Oh, you could have had like 180 yards. You could have the the holding play. He right. the the jump ball in the there right is end Slay zone on
1: the right side of the field. Yep, in the end zone. I thought he
0: dropped it at first, but Slay got his hand in there.
1: Those two plays, and then the one that you talked about with the timing wasn't on. Those are potentially give me two of them. He has a 150 yard day. So it it would again another day where more just pops off with no true, I would say, threat on offense. You have Michael Carter out. Corey Davis goes down to injury. Mims and Cole are, are good. They're serviceable guys on the outside. But imagine you you get a, a real, like if Corey Davis was a true one and you get maybe a tight end threat because Wilson does like targeting tight ends. You saw what Tyler Croft did in the preseason. You know, huge favor for, for Wilson. Griffin has a handful of catches under Wilson. So maybe bringing a real tight end, if Corey Davis becomes that uh, number one, like we signed him to be or more fills that role and Davis is a two you can see more continue to pop off because right now defenses have to hone in on him and, and just a a hell of a day and a hell of a a, a month and a half for Elijah Moore. It's been, it's been the, the, the bright spot of this, this halfway point.
0: Absolute breakout season. The Corey Davis thing really hurts. Obviously Corey Davis is out for the year. He hurt his core muscle and is getting surgery. I don't know if it's actually, was it actually on that play where, uh, People were ripping on Corey Davis for dropping the. T- I believe it was he well, went
1: down already. hard on the sideline after it.
0: Yeah, so that's tough. I saw DJB Enemy was like, "I'm not going to fault Corey Davis for ripping his core apart." Um, but look, I don't know the the whole sentiment around Corey Davis is that he was a complete, you know, bust this year, and people online don't value him very much. He's still was on pace for like 900 yards and eight touchdowns um, and was solid. And it's not what you paid for. You didn't pay $15 million a year for that, but it wasn't like he was horrific, you know? So I'm excited to get Corey back next year. It is definitely a big loss for the rest of this year. And then that brings you into the tight end situation. The Jets need to figure out how to first of all, stop at tight end because Goddard, it looked like he was going to have like 500 yards. And then, like you said, they have to get someone. Are they going to draft someone, sign a guy, maybe both? Like Croft is going to be there. People, I think people are also forgetting that Croft is going to be the probably the number two tight end, which is fine. But who who's going to be number one? Jazeki, people like the Dalton Schultz.
1: Yeah, it's scary times the tight end position. But we also, I mean, we talked about it a little bit. Tevin Coleman is running his ass off. Eleven carries. I think he went for like fifty-five yards. Again, every time he has the ball in his hand, I feel like he's dangerous. He he caught a good ball, too, that ended up being a first down on the first drive that Wilson kind of had a tough throw on him, caught it up here, and and brought it down. I'm happy with with the way the offense played, and LaBooth continues to get the job done. Uh, And and I think the Saints missing Cameron Jordan, and Mark Ingram's likely going to be out from a a running game. So at least two areas where our our quarterback – isn't going to have to face their best pass rusher, and our defense isn't going to face Mark Ingram. Um, Kamara, of course, is still the big threat. I'm okay. I'm looking forward to Sunday. I think the Jets have a chance to really make that game competitive. And, again, another step forward for Zach Wilson.
0: Are we going Sunday?
1: Uh, I plan on it. Do you want to go? Yeah,
0: yeah I'll go to the game. We do uh, – it's going to be a weird game. Yeah, like we're going to see Taysom Hill as the Saints quarterback. I feel like this is going to be one of those games where we look back and that's like Wilson pops off. We're going to be like, when we played the fucking Saints, mm-hmm. like Taysom Hill.
1: I have such a weird memory of the game against the Saints in 2017 when we That's played the, on Bryce the road. Petty? Right, yep, Bryce Petty.
0: I think that was the first game after – oh, know they actually played okay that game. That we like... had a
1: return for a touchdown, I think. Someone got tipped pick. Leonard Williams, I think, made a really, really nice play. And he, like, at the line, picked it off. That was a fun game. I think they ran the ball pretty well.
0: I remember that being the only uh, game with Bryce Petty that year where it wasn't like the worst thing ever. Yeah, 31-19. I think the other games we scored in single digits. But oh yeah, Bryce Petty threw a touchdown. Wow. Look at that. Elijah Maguire. But yeah, I don't know. I'm looking forward to the game Sunday. All these games matter a lot now. You have to, have to, have to. Like, string some decent performances together. We just need Zach Wilson to keep playing normal football. And Joe Cap made a good point before last week's game. He said, like, Zach Wilson needs to start throwing some touchdowns just to not be like, you know, he gave Daniel Jones as an example. Like, you can't just have like nine touchdowns for the mm-hmm. year. We need to throw the fuck, like, literally throw more touchdowns. And we, did, we, had-
1: we always talk about that, how stats at the end of the year do matter. They do.
0: They matter so much, and people say they don't. We'll be watching the game with my dad, and he's like, Why do you care if this pass is completed? Like, because when we're having arguments about things and perception matters, uh, you know, you need your guy to not have fucking nine touchdowns and 11 picks.
1: I have two hot takes I want to talk about. One being there's a new, like, huge consensus on Twitter that quarterback record doesn't matter, quarterback record does matter.
0: I completely agree.
1: However, you can always make an amendment or a note and say, uh, "Mitchell Trubisky went what ten and six to one year, but his lifetime record what? I
0: mean, twelve and four.
1: Twelve and four. Right? There's moments you can use context around it, but no quarterback record does matter. Zach Wilson's two and two in his last four weeks that does matter. If he played yes. really well but was zero and four, that matters. It, it it is very important to understand that. That's my take.
0: It's definitely a a big piece of the puzzle it can't be the whole thing because as we saw mac jones just won the game by throwing three passes but if you look over a long period of time most likely things even out at a certain point and at the very worst the quarterback rigor won't be horrific so if like kurt cousins comes to mind and matt stafford when he was on the lions and now in the rams is a little bit tough but if you odds are if you play good situational football and do the right thing most of the time, you probably will win more games as a quarterback. And it's very, I love to look at quarterback wins. I even think like wins in baseball are not a horrible stat because if you pitch deep into games more often and you are consistently keeping your team in the game, you, you have a chance to win more games and it might not always work out like DeGrom, you know, but on an average, if you look at things as an aggregate, you probably will say, hey, look, the, the better quarterbacks usually win more games. So I agree with you. I think it definitely matters. My
1: second hot take. and I I almost was afraid to tweet this because I don't want to deal with people freaking out. (laughs) I think there is a higher likelihood that the Jets get a top two pick than the Seattle pick being top 10. That is my prediction.
0: So the Jets, yeah, the Jets finished like three and whatever. Or four and whatever.
1: And here's why. I think the Seahawks have to put together some wins. I really thought they're going to be Washington, um, but they obviously won last week. They're four and eight, and for strength schedule purposes, helps us out that they're they're ahead of the Giants and the Bears. The next group of teams, there are four teams that are five and seven, and five teams that are six and seven or or six and six at five hundred. So at any point that's what 13 teams technically that can drop, go up, lose games, win games. I just could totally see Seattle finishing seven and 10 going three and two down the year in their final five and getting the 11th or 12th pick. I can see that more than the jets winning three games and taking themselves out of the top five. I think the jets are going to finish in the top five and Seattle's probably going to finish around 10, but I don't think there's a better likelihood that the, no, it good. My dog is eating food and, like, barking in front of me. I don't think that Seattle's going to have a top-ten pick. I don't.
0: No, it's very fair. Um, yeah, it just is very fair. And it's weird. Like, the Seahawks, it doesn't really make sense why they're playing so poorly. The off And the offense has been the problem up until last week. They scored 30 points. But the three games before that, with Russell Wilson, they scored 0, 13, and 15 points. So... I I was never really thought that was going to be the issue, and most of their most of their offense is healthy. They're missing Chris Carson, but now they have Adrian Peterson, which is cool, and they have Alex Collins. But you and know that, you have that, Russell Wilson, you have Lockett, and you have Metcalf. No one expected a, to... they had that scrub of a safety who's now out for the year. You see that note? <laughs> it's a real shame. Never <laughs> want anyone to get injured. Blah blah blah. But this fucking scumbag! Enough of his bullshit. I'm so sick of even looking at his face. Calling the Jeff fans racist, trying to force his way out. Fuck him. Loser. So at least, you know, it is overplayed on Twitter, probably by every single person that the Jets made a good trade. <laughs> it's it's like, yeah. Yeah, but at first it really wasn't. People have thought this yeah. is a
1: generational Hall of Famer. You give up two ones to a win now team. Who cares? That those ones are going to be in the 28th pick anyway. Yeah. No. Nope. 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 And a a big thing last year, I was freaking out about it. That win against the Rams or the Rams beating Seattle in the playoffs on the road, that changed their pick by three or four, I think. And because of that, and that has the net to change it more than that, if Seattle kept winning, that trade up for Vera Tucker doesn't happen. The Jets might have to give up a one to move up. It, it, It doesn't happen. So thank God the Rams won that game. That had huge... Ramifications for the future of this this franchise.
0: Yeah, AVT man, future you know stud left ha- uh, left guard. Speaking of our stud offensive lineman on the left side of the line, what the hell is going on with Mackay Becton? Yeah, he's got to he's
1: got to get healthy. It's tough because they had a video of him jogging and running today, but hopefully he's back. You you want to see him back for at least three games? At least I I, I feel like we're gonna get him. Because why, why play him the final game? Why? If it's not going to be a three-game sample size, why even bother? I don't know. It's it's a mess right now.
0: I know. It's a shame because I was really hoping that, to your point, we would come out and Salah would say, yeah, Beckton's on track to play maybe the next couple of weeks. But you're right. If he's not going to play, uh, yeah, I don't know. Are they going to bring him back the final two games, et cetera, et cetera? And then if they don't, you're going to hear the narrative all winter from the Jeff fans, is Mukai's out of shape and he's fat and he can't play, whatever. And maybe they're right at this point, but you know we don't need that negativity all off season and put that sour taste in Beckton's mouth. And Beckton's super active on social media, so he's going to see all this shit. Yeah,
1: yeah. I I think he's a big dude. His legs always looked a little smaller to me. Does that make sense? Like thinner yeah, like, legs for his build, but
0: yeah, like relative to his body. Who the fuck is honking so much? I don't even live on a street where you could really drive through. (laughs)
1: I'm trying to think of what else happened. Some, like, current events that we can roll through. I do want to tell a referee story. Every time, every time I tweet about how awful the NFL officiating is, I'm reminded of my days of being a flag football referee. (laughs) So I was a flag football referee for 10-year-olds, and I threw two flags the entire year in, like, the 12-game year. And it was for flag guarding meaning you like hold your flag so nobody can pull it. But one day in a playoff game, the longest pass, by the way, was completed for 20 yards, maybe 15 yards. Kid comes around the edge in a big part of the game. And the flags, it's like a suction cup. So you hear a pop when you pull it out. And this kid comes around the edge and makes an unbelievable sack, dives, pulls it. And the quarterback had just started his throwing motion. It's the most obvious sack of all time. And in my mind, I'm saying there's no way this kid completes a pass. He's launching the ball downfield, throws the ball 50 yards, like in relative terms to how big their field is, their 10-year-olds, throws an absolute dot for a huge touchdown. And the entire crowd is just losing their fucking minds. And the coaches in my ear, I just throw up the two hands touchdown, like jog down the <laughs> field. But every time I think about how bad an officiating call is, I remember having the worst call in the history of flag football. That like ruined a playoff game for a kid.
0: This kid's probably still talk about it. We won that asshole didn't call the sack when we were ten. They actually probably do talk about it. We still talk about the good old days, some little league baseball, basketball. But the officiating in the NFL is an absolute embarrassment. It's the worst thing ever. These refs are way too flag happy. I just wish they would let the guys play. I agree. Clear I agree. football.
1: No, I think I think good things are coming. I, I really would be more optimistic at this point, even if we are three and nine. But the defense is so goddamn awful. Like is so
0: it, how do we even have three wins?
1: I, I feel like we're small. I feel like we're slow. I feel like everything that you don't want a defense to be, we are. And then I look at the Eagles defense and I'm like, oh fuck, Fletcher Cox. Oh fuck, Darius Slay. like guys flying all over the field. Like I get it. Quincy Williams is a high motor guy. But like, mostly feels slow right now. The defensive line has no pressure at all. The DBs are honestly, the DBs are playing okay, but they can't cover a tight end. No one knows how to cover a screen. Like we're not, we're not giving up wide receiver games where Jamar Chase goes for twelve and hundred fifty against us, right? We're we're but everything just feels horrible right now for this team.
0: Yeah, on defense, and there's too many injuries, like you told us that Marcus May and Lawson and Joyner and uh, Bryce Huff and, you know, Michael Carter and basically and Corey Davis, basically all of our good players would miss an extended period of time, I would, you know, it's just very frustrating. And when the team is struggling, you just want to see these guys play. And we don't have the ability to do that. And it's, it's super, it's, it's honestly lame. And now Elijah Moore is banged up. So he better play Sunday.
1: If he doesn't, that's going to be brutal. Because if he doesn't, then you're looking at a Cole, Mims, Barrios, Crowder,
0: yeah, and Jeff Smith. Like, the best part about the game right now, watching a Jet game, is seeing Zach Wilson drop back to throw the ball and be like, Moore? And then it is, and you're like, fuck yeah. I
1: wasn't even that drunk at the game because I had to drive home. I was like sober enough, but <laughs> I that was bad. I, I was 100% sober driving home. But at the game, I, I couldn't, for some reason, I don't know if it was angle or what, I couldn't figure out if it was more Mims or Jeff Smith at every catch. I, I don't know what was wrong with my brain. And I kept being like, oh, thank God that's more. And then I was like, oh, that was Mims. I caught that. And I look at the, my phone because I like to keep looking at the stats per game. And I'm like, oh, that was more on the 22-yard catch, not Mims. It was it was weird. My brain was off all day Sunday.
0: Yeah, I always got more confused with Keelan Cole because he wears 88. And more wears 8. Yeah. So they kind of look the same on TV. But And you probably know it's not Mims because the Jets hate Mims. So, <laughs> Jeff Smith, if it's not an end around, rounds. Yeah. You know,
1: you know what bothered me even more? I don't know if you saw this. It didn't really make its wave on, on Judd's Twitter. It was on like ESPN radio, and the fan talked about it. Did you see Jeff Ulbricht's press conference before the game, like on Thursday whenever he talks? He talked about it's, how it would be, be a great opportunity to play against the Eagles because the Colts ran a, a very similar offense, and having that opportunity after being so bad against the Colts and coming back. It it's you don't get a lot in the NFL and it's a big moment. And he got like choked up at the end of it. Like if you watch the video, it sounds like he almost starts like wanting to cry and he gets choked up. And then he goes out there and gets fucking mauled by the Philadelphia Eagles. So you can't give me a crying speech coach and then get killed by the Eagles. Can't have it.
0: Yeah, someone's gotta be a scapegoat at some point. And um I'm very I'm probably the most patient fan ever. I understand or you try to understand why th- things happen and it's not going to, you know, be a one year fix and you want to implement this scheme, yada, yada, yada. But this has been the worst defense I've ever seen the jets play as a team for an entire season. And Ulbrick is the, you know, the play caller and he has been literally horrifying. You cannot let the Eagles score set on seven straight drives, to start the game. How, you just can't do that. It's, it makes me like sick to my stomach.
1: It's, it's tough too, because the like if you, beginning of the year you compare the Jets and the Eagles roster, I did not think at week 14 or 13, whatever at that the Eagles would have double our win total and then come into MetLife and push it around by 15. I I, I, I thought terrible. the Eagles would be
0: one of the worst teams this year, and they actually hold the seventh playoff spot right now in the NFC, which is impressive. Once the Lions beat the Jack the Vikings that put the Eagles into the seventh spot. Um, It's just disappointing.
1: You know what we didn't talk about yet? What? Alex Kessman.
0: Oh, I mean, what the fuck? You know, you can't, you just got, you know, the moment's too big for you, blah, blah, blah. It's like, it's like if someone in the NBA brought in a sharpshooter and then he had two free throws and a technical and like threw them into the stands. He wasn't even close.
1: It was funny the the people I were sitting with in the first quarter, they're Eagles fans, and the, we scored a touchdown. We're all hyped. It was right off the barrier, it was a big run, and and I looked over. I said, "This is a brand new kicker." As we cut Amendola, this is like a new guy. I hope he makes it, and he misses it. And then we score in real time, which felt like fifteen minutes later. The Jets score a touchdown, and I looked. I said, "If he fucking misses this, leave him on the turnpike," and he missed it. So.
0: Ugh. It's crazy the Jets can't find a kicker after all these years. And even this Pinero guy, I thought he kicked for longer. He only kicked one year for the Bears. He was like, uh, he made like 82% of his kicks, which is solid. So it's nice to have a guy who actually was an NFL kicker, but I'll just just sign a veteran guy at some point. Like you don't have to pay a kicker that much money. Or maybe they'll draft somebody, but it's another waste of a pick. Speaking of which, Braden Man is getting on my nerves and most people's nerves. Just been inconsistent. He's he's definitely super disappointing, Braden Man.
1: I know, I know. Not good,
0: not good. Thought he was going to be the anchor of that draft, the six round pick. You're like, oh, at least we got our punter. Fifteen years. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I you don't know, but it's like, ugh. Maybe they should have kept Thomas Morstead. It's, Sign him into his 40s. So, we're right. a little beat down, but things are good. Zach Wilson looked good. That's the most important thing. Uh, Michael Carter will be back at some point. We want to see Mike Ibeckton come back. and we'll pair him with our new stud, George Fant.
1: Uh, he's getting Pro Bowl votes. It's cool. Uh, imagine.
0: I mean, it'd be great to see a, uh, like a, not a random, but just like a veteran jet make the Pro Bowl. I'm trying to think the last time the Jets signed a guy or traded for a guy who he made the Pro Bowl, I guess you'd think it would be Brandon Marshall. And that also happened with Leron Landry in 2012. They signed Landry and he made the Pro they Bowl. They
1: also signed a, a little-known free agent name, Daryl Rivas, in 2015. It became a Pro Bowler that year.
0: That does count. Count it. it. Free agent acquisition. Cromartie made the Pro Bowl a bunch of times after being acquired. But... Hey, man, we got to get some, like, Jets some national recognition. You did a great job with Zach Wilson trying to get him to be a uh, Pepsi player of the week. The Jets were tweeting at you.
1: I can't believe the Jets tweeted at me. I, I didn't know what was happening. I was <laughs> very confused. But, yeah, I think I think that it comes out soon. And it just comes back to that, that dumb writer for Edge and NBC Edge Sports or whatever. Did you see that whole thing? I don't know, I might have missed it. it was one of it's a good talking point for the pod we've been all over the place but we're having fun um he wrote up a game review his name is denny carter and he he actually has like a hilarious following where he had like a cult following that would reply to me and be like no 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 like denny is the goat i'm a jet fan <laughs> but like it was it was great
0: oh is this the zach Well the like he treats trevor lawrence with different uh What's the word? Like he will treat him with kid gloves? And- well,
1: it, it, to be fair to him, he didn't write the Trevor Lawrence one, um, but the write-up for Trevor Lawrence was, Trevor Lawrence was six out of 12 with three drops in the first half, being kept uncomfortable, uh, blah, blah, blah. It mentioned how many drops his receivers had and how he has no weapons, whatever. So for Zach Wilson, this is from the guy, Denny Carter. Wilson was good enough early on taking easy throws that the Jets scripted for him, including a short touchdown to Elijah Moore. But as soon as the team was forced off script down by two scores, staying went sideways for the rookie and the offense, even from a clean pocket and open pass catchers, Wilson often missed badly. Most throws sailing over their head and one of them being for a pick. You can't say good enough early on. And then he wins rookie of the week. Can't do it, Denny. Can't do
0: it. He he clearly didn't watch the game because what happened, obviously, in the game was the Jets scored three straight touchdowns. Zach looked great, and then didn't have the ball for you know thirty seconds in the third. How
1: many misses went over people's heads other than the pick? I really can't think of one.
0: One time, anything sailing? Yeah, maybe he made like a couple inaccurate throws. Like he missed, like Wilson missed Elijah Moore in the end zone. But I tweeted out, "Thank God that." He came back and threw a touchdown, so we don't have to think about that. But it wasn't an overthrow. Yeah.
1: I can't wait for him to win Rookie of the Week and and tag him. Two of them. Two. And Moore has another.
0: Yeah. It's good. good. That's a loaded on offense for years.
1: All right. I think we'll wrap it there. Mike, anything else?
0: No, look, we're we're going to stay positive. We need Zach Wilson to play normal football going forwards. We want to win some games. We don't need to tank anymore. We have the two high picks anyway. Things are going to be okay. Zach Wilson to Elijah Moore needs to be the duo for the next 10 years. It has to be. I love Fourth it. Quarter.
1: All right, Mike. I'll talk to you soon. Peace.